My message today is entitled, Love Letters from God. There's nothing like receiving an encouraging and personal letter from someone. It brightens your day knowing that someone took the time to write you a special note just for you. Yet for many people nowadays, receiving a personal letter is a rare occurrence since it's so much easier to text or to email someone. We live in a society that's so used to instant messaging and instant gratifications and instant rewards and instant feedback. However, God understands the and appreciates the benefits of a well-written personal letter. He continues to be the author of our lives and sees the value of a true love letter. After all, the Bible is a love letter from God to all His children. But there are also references to His personal letters to us as well. Let's take a look at when Paul addresses the church of Corinth. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to begin in verse 1, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 1. Paul writes, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Verse 2, You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. See, the Corinthians themselves were Paul's real commendation and a good testimonial for him that God was with him in truth. A godly teacher is invested into the interests of God and His kingdom. In other words, he or she is invested into the lives of His people. In this verse here, we see that Paul sees his fellow believers as letters written on his heart. Therefore, a godly teacher's desire is to prepare these lives or these letters to be read by all men and women. Changed lives. People impacted by the redemptive power of Christ. Believers who insatiably desire more of the Spirit and less of the world and all its comforts. These are the reasons I people teach and minister. This is the gauge by which godly teachers measure their effectiveness. Each person's life, submitted unto God and redeemed for His purposes, is a crafted letter for the world to read. Therefore, it is with utmost importance that godly teachers help to prepare each letter in its own unique style, with its own voice, from a rough draft, all the way to a finely polished document. Now these letters begin in different settings with diverse plot twists, a variety of conflicts and challenges, yet all of them have the same protagonist, Jesus Christ. Each one builds to the same conclusion that Jesus is Lord of all, the great Redeemer, the Good Shepherd who leads us through every trial in this world and into eternity with Him. This common theme essential to all letters allows each of them to be a part of a greater compilation, a concerted effort to bring unity to the entire body, thereby strengthening the message of God's love even more. It is the reading of these letters, these changed lives, that has the greatest impact on our ability to witness to others. It's not about one's 
words or the way they could present it, but all of our changed lives are part of that compilation that God presents to the world to read. That's why we encourage one another to continue to come together as the body of Christ. We are a compilation of God's making if we submit to Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. The heart is the part of the flesh that has been divinely touched by God's grace. We are each a letter of Christ, and each letter goes through a process as each paper yields itself to the writing of the Master's hands. Our lives are letters written by God for the world to read. Don't ever think that you're on your own or you're, just, you're, you're all alone. God says, I want to write a letter upon your heart so the world can see me through your life. Every single one of us is important. Every single one of us is part of that greater compilation. Now, why would God write letters to the world? Isn't the Bible enough? Well, as you know, not everyone will read the Bible. Many will never step foot in a church. So how will the message of His love and His plan for redemption and restoration go out? It's vitally important that every single one of us understands the responsibility that we each hold as letters from God to the world. These letters are evidence that He lives that He restores, that He redeems, and that He brings about reconciliation that we all would be one family. This is not done by our works, but by the blood of Jesus. The sacrificial act of Christ to allow us to become part of God's eternal family. Hebrews 12, verse 2 says it this way, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, as we look unto Jesus as the author of our letters, we must pass the pen on to Him, refusing to insist on our own way. The letters in life that turn into beautiful essays, masterfully written theses, and highly acclaimed novels are the ones which have been submitted to the watchful eye of an editor and covered with red ink. Not to tear apart, but to bring to perfection. However, there are many writers who are resistant to the editing process. They're afraid to get their papers turned back to them only to be covered in red ink marked with corrections. For this reason, many writers never advance. Many ideas never get published, and many papers are lost for the ages. Many writers fear rejection and are afraid to submit their writings to the accountability of others. So they find themselves only asking for kind suggestions from others. For fear of offending others, peer editors give lackluster comments like, well, that sounds good. You're doing fine. Don't change a thing. And consequently, that writing goes nowhere. Unfortunately, the same thing can be seen in the lives of Christians at times. People have been wounded 
And now many of them are afraid to submit their lives to the accountability of others and ultimately afraid to submit their will unto God. So they find themselves only asking for kind suggestions from others in order to gain affirmation, but not change. They seek selective accountability, but don't really want to change anything. So their friends say things like, you're doing okay. You'll be fine. No one's perfect. You don't need to change anything. Or worse yet, the people closest to them know that things are off in their life, but they don't want to offend their friends. So while they may talk about them behind their back or consider their problems in their minds, they never have the courage to speak the truth to their friends. Unfortunately, these comments and choices of inaction by so-called friends and an individual's unwillingness to truly be held accountable offer no chance for change. See, we can't blame it on God. If, 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 why, God, how come I'm still a mess? How can we ever change this person's life? If we haven't been willing to submit to accountability, it's not God's fault. We're all called to submit to God and to one another. When we don't do that, grace is diluted of its power. Repentance is never sought. Reconciliation between God and others fails to occur. And people lead lives that slowly deteriorate, kidding themselves the whole time. Yet God expects more than that. Ephesians 5.21 Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, God calls us to be held accountable to our Christian brothers and sisters, commanding us to submit to one another out of reverence for Him. Thus, we begin by submitting our lives and our will to God for the editing process. We must not let the fear of some red ink be the deterrent to our submission. With the goal of redemption, we submit the letters of our lives to God, our editor, that our letters might hopefully be covered with red ink flowing not from a pen, but from the cross of Jesus. The red ink that covers our letters is the blood that Jesus shed for all of us. It is what we all need, not to destroy us, but to redeem us and to lovingly bring us close to God. And all the more as we are set to begin the 40 days of Lent, seeking to know Him more. Submitting our lives and our letters to this process takes great trust in our editor. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. If you are feeling condemned to come towards God, that's not God giving the condemnation. That's the enemy. He doesn't want to see you get fixed. He doesn't want to see you get redeemed. But Jesus does. So press in. And brothers and sisters, when you see someone walking in condemnation, hook your arms around and go with them forward. We have all been there. Don't let somebody stay in condemnation. It's the enemy trying to do that. We are here for one another. We commit to one another and submit to one another to grow closer to God because we do trust our editor. We can be assured that Christ will bring us through the whole process knowing that there are many aspects that must be considered in this process. First of all, 
all lives have conflict. But we must learn how to deal with it in a God-glorifying way so that the emphasis is on the resolution, not on the conflict. What you talk about after a conflict is what you draw light to for others to read. Though we are all tempted to complain about how unfair things are, let us choose to draw attention to our God and our Redeemer. This is what makes us stand out as children. One of my favorite verses right here, Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Do all things without complaining and disputing. I know we all fail at this. I do too. But I keep believing that God's my Redeemer. He's going to bring me through. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Listen, it's not the absence or the avoidance of conflict in your life that determines how bright your light shines for Jesus, but rather your willingness to pursue reconciliation. Everyone faces conflict. If they tell you they don't, then they're lying. But we need to handle it in a God-glorifying way. All of us will be offended and hurt at times. But when we commit our lives to God and work through forgiveness and reconciliation, it's, one of the, it's part of the witness to others that Jesus is alive and leading us through challenges. People will not understand how you got through a, a, a difficult offense. That's your time to witness and say, I couldn't do it on my own, but Jesus led me through. So many people right now are stuck in offense with others, holding grudges, standing in judgment. And yet God says, let us pursue peace and reconciliation so that you will shine as lights in this world for me. He is the one who takes our despair and turns it into hope. He is the one who turns our mourning into dancing and our ashes into beauty. He does this in order to present another love letter to the world. See this person, how much I love them, to pick them up from their ashes and, and to change them to present to the world. All of us are a letter in process as long as we stay submitted to God. When you call to mind from where He has brought you until now, it is not simply history. It is His story being told through your life. As He redeems our lives, we each become a bright contrast from the darkness of the world around us. Let us all do what is necessary to shine for Jesus in such a time as this. Well, another cha a challenge that we all face is when we get stuck in knowing where our stories will lead. I'm just not sure what the next chapter is going to be, God. We all have an end in mind, but getting there at times brings great confusion and often frustration. The only way to break through this writer's block is by learning to pass the pen on to God and to allow His Spirit to conduct the affairs of our lives. This takes an intentional effort of submitting unto God to the point where we hope to gain the same personal revelation that Paul received about the letter God was writing through his life. So our memory verse for today, 
Galatians 2, verse 20. Paul has this revelation. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Understand that Paul is not talking about being physically crucified on a cross. Rather, he's saying that he has chosen daily to crucify his will. Nailing his desires to the cross so that Jesus can now live through him. And now Paul lives by faith, meaning that when he allows his own personal will into the driver's seat, it's his will that conducts the affairs of his life, seeking to find its own comfort and desires. But now having crucified his fleshly desires, he lives by faith, trusting that God will meet all of his needs and direct his life to accomplish God's will in whatever way that God sees fit. What a powerful prayer this can be for us if we choose to put this word right here in our hearts, meditating on it, seeking to allow Christ to live through us as well. As we approach this Lenten season, I ask you to begin each day with this declaration. It's in your bulletin. It's our, it's our memory verse for the week. But begin each day with this, with this declaration. Asking God to make it real to your mind and to your soul and to your spirit. And just watch how your perspective changes as this becomes a personal prayer. You see, the only way to bring our letters to full publication is to trust God daily and refuse to give up. This is why we need one another in the body of Christ to help us continue to stand and not shrink back or walk away when times get tough, because they do. A minister's main job is to teach the uncompromising truth while encouraging each person to not give up and to stick through the whole process. We see this in Paul's heart when he writes to the believers at Philippi. Philippians 1, starting at verse 3. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the Gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6, Being confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Like Paul, this is my constant reminder to all of you. God has begun a good work in each and every one of you. And as you daily submit yourself unto Him, He will be faithful to complete the work that He began in you. It takes time and a daily choice to die to yourself so He can lead you and transform you into whom He has called each of you to be. We must trust our God and His revision process for our lives. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. You see, it's also important that once we start to see our letters and our lives start to turn around, that we don't take credit for the process. We need to know that God is the author 
We are just the paper. Our lives, when read by others, should elicit the same response that award-winning novels do. Our lives as letters should cause others to want to read and experience more works by this same author. That's why we share our testimonies, right? I want to see what God's doing in your life and what's God done in your life and what's in the, what the process of doing in your life. I want to read more, more works by this author. We are letters to the world from God. And hopefully, our lives will produce a willingness for everyone who reads us to submit their own lives to the same process. Understanding that God doesn't need a perfect life, just a blank paper or an open heart to write upon. Praise be to God for His faithfulness and His redeeming power and His love. 2 Corinthians 3.6 He also made us as sufficient ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You see, the letter kills. That's the legal code of the letter. Many people are unwilling to submit their letters to be read by anyone because they're afraid they'll be judged by the letter of the law. Some people have a preconceived notion in their mind of who God is. God doesn't want to condemn you. God wants to redeem you. That is His truth. He doesn't judge by legal code. He changes by love through His heart. In other words, people feel that they must be perfect before they come to God. They must clean themselves up before they come to God. No. God loves you wait where you're at, but He loves you too much to keep you there. God will redeem you, but you have to come to Him. It doesn't matter how you fall. It doesn't even matter how many times you fall. The only thing that matters is if you allow God to pick you up and to forgive you when you turn to Him. All of our letters are full of messy falls and God picking us back up again and again by His Spirit. When we realize that the Spirit of God is with us every step, every fall, every restoration, then we can truly live in freedom. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. As we submit our lives to God and to the entire process, the Spirit gives life to us and turns a blank or scribbled on, or crumpled up piece of paper that may have been doomed for the wastebasket, turns it into a beautiful masterpiece, which can now be shared with others. It is the Spirit which makes us sufficient to share our letters, our testimonies, with the whole world. So right now, at this time, I'd like to share a fantastic letter from God that I have, had, I have the privilege of reading daily. It is my wife's testimony. Nancy, come up here. It's amazing how God works in everything. To be quite honest, when Brad told me that I was the one that got to give my testimony, I figured it was just because he didn't ask anybody else, and I was voluntold. But as I listened to his message, I realized it is because God designed for me to give my testimony today. I am always a, 
I'm always amazed at how far God has brought me. But when I look back at who I was growing up, uh, I was very insecure, but I was a good person. Uh, I was good in school, so I wasn't the best. I was good in sports, so I wasn't the best. I was good at home because I had two older brothers who always screwed up, and I learned from their mistakes. But I was never the best. I never stood out at anything, and that made me very uncomfortable and very wanting to be invisible. felt very unworthy because I wasn't really... It wasn't really anything. I was just there. I had friends, but I wasn't in the popular crowd. I just sort of ran that middle of the road all along. In high school, I started not dating a guy because I wasn't allowed to date, but I could go to church youth group functions, so I did that often with him. And they were planning a bike trip from Richmond, Virginia, which is where I went to high school, to Orlando, Florida, and so I thought, that sounds cool, I'll do that, and through the process of training for that and spending time with the youth group and going to church services, I heard a preacher, was a revivalist uh, that came through the church, and he gave a message on sitting on the fence, on always being in the middle, having one foot in the world, having one foot with God, never defining yourself, just always sitting on the fence. And I knew that God was talking directly and explicitly to me. Because if you just sit on the fence, nobody notices you. They notice the fence, but they don't notice you. And I didn't want to be noticed. Because I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough to be the best. I wasn't good enough to... I just wasn't good enough. Much like Brad just said, you think you have to be perfect to come to God. I at least thought I had to be good enough. I grew up in a church where works were stressed, and so you just had to work at it. So when that revivalist spoke, I realized I was sitting on the fence, and I had to get off. I had to decide which side I was going to be on, and I decided it would be God. So I went to the front of the church, and I prayed, and I was saved, and I gave my life to Christ, and I had no idea what that meant. My heart understood it. My head didn't. So I still didn't feel worthy. And it was years. In fact, it was decades. Before one night we were sitting with a group and suddenly I understood that it was the blood of Christ. It was all the red marks. That's all that it was. That alone made me worthy. It wasn't anything that I would ever do. It was everything that Christ already did. And in that moment, I understood fully who God was, who he is, and what he wanted to do for me. Brad says that it is a love letter that the world reads, but it is also a love letter that we read. Because I can look at all the things that God has done in my life and know he is real. Because I see what he's done in me. I see who I was. I see who I am. I had a friend ask me one time, how do you know that God is real? Look at me. Who I am today is not who I was. 
It's not who I will be someday, but it's a whole lot better than what I was. I am a life full of red ink, but that's okay because I am covered by the red blood. I'm a life that has been changed. For a long time, I used to think, I'm not one to give my testimony. I don't have a strong, powerful, old life, new life conversion. But the power is not in the dramatic testimony. It's in a life that is changed. And I am a life that has been changed. God continues to write things every day. And I'm amazed that he finds me somebody he is willing to work with. But it doesn't have anything to do with me. It has to do with him. I am worthy not because of anything that I have ever done, but because of who he is and who he will always be. So I continue to look forward to what he will write next. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would continue to write through us, that we would get that revelation, that personal revelation of what you do through us because you loved us and gave yourself for us. And as we are letting that soak in right now, pray, God, that you administer to us through this song. Jesus.